0: Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award winning Hospital Finance Podcast. As the transformation of the hospital revenue cycle continues, we're talking with thought leaders from a wide variety of vantage points to get their views on the critical issues driving these changes. On today's show, I'm joined by Christopher Barata, a principal of Grant Thornton's Business Advisory Services Practice and the West Region Healthcare Advisory Services Practice Leader. Christopher, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it.
0: Chris, why don't you start out by telling us a bit about what you do at Grant Thornton.
1: Not a problem. So I basically am one of the leaders in our healthcare advisory practice and primarily work with providers and trying to help them really improve their revenue, reduce their costs and improve their patient experience. So that runs the gamut of revenue cycle but also those people process and technology
0: items as well perfect and so you're well positioned to engage in the discussion we're about to have and really what we're going to do here is is look at a, a myriad of issues that are impacting the revenue cycle so the first question I'd like to ask you are what do you think the top 3 challenges are in the revenue cycle right now
1: well we continue to see you know, decrease revenue and increase costs to to make the revenue cycle whole. You know, with the the onset of COVID, telehealth kind of threw a curveball a little bit and trying to figure out how to get reimbursed for those services. And then in general, we have the complication of how do we keep our revenue cycle culture with our staff now working remote. Because a lot of times our revenue cycles were, you know, coexisting in centralized billing offices and centers of excellence. So I would say, you know, denials and things of that nature are never going away and continue to be challenges for the revenue cycle. But now it's the revenue cycle trying to be more agile and making sure that we're really using the new technologies that we have in the EMR, thinking about how we manage our workforce and continue to think about the patient and what it means for them and their liability.
0: And you hinted towards a couple of other areas we're going to touch on here. Uh, But first, let me ask you, which stages of the revenue cycle do you feel hospitals are most vulnerable to errors causing lost or decreased revenue?
1: You know, I would say there's two primary stages. A lot of what goes on now is what we call the front end of the revenue cycle, but that whole kind of scheduling and registration, along with when we're trying to get authorizations for services. There tends to be a lot of loss there, and also when we're trying to figure out what patient liability is and and educating the patient around those things. Self-pay is very hard to collect once the patient has received the service, and so there continues to be some losses around, are we getting point-of-service collections? The other area, which continues to always be a challenge, is just in generalized charge capture, making sure that we're capturing all the charges for all the services that we're providing, coding them effectively and correctly, so that we're truly getting reimbursed for the services that providers are giving to our patients.
0: And in your opinion, are denials increasing or decreasing? And why? Either way, what have you seen?
1: You know, I, I've seen it's been kind of consistent. When in the revenue cycle, we think we've kind of attacked one of the, the denial areas, another one will pop up. Our payers are, are smart. They're figure, you know, figuring out new ways to deny for services. You know, again, telehealth was an area that was interesting. We were trying to figure out how to appropriately bill and code for those services. We've We've learned a lot over the last 12 months. And so we're seeing decreasing denials around that. But in general, I would say, you know, denials are continuing to remain consistent. They're always going to be there. And some of those things are just due to the fact of how we, you know, intersect with the payer. Some of them are on the provider side and mistakes being made, and some of them are sometimes just misinformation coming on the payer side, and we just have to resolve them.
0: And this could be this next question could be for for you or for your clients, Christopher. And I'm I'm interested sure. in how your organization has adapted to remote work, and do you plan to maintain some level of it uh, post pandemic?
1: So I will say that remote work and, and the whole COVID experience has taught us a lot. You know, we, in, in an advisory service, we were used to being on site, being with our clients, especially in the provider world, you know, five days a week, side by side. Obviously, we couldn't do that. What we learned, though, is we could be efficient and very effective in doing things via teams and things of that nature. So I think in the future, at least from a services provider perspective, it's going to be a hybrid. There are still certain things like having idea sessions, whiteboarding sessions that we found are much more effective when you are in person or if you're going live on a certain technology or a bolt-on. However, the generalized day-to-day operational things, you know, we can do that from a remote perspective as well. So I think for the future as an advisor, it's going to be targeted on site, continuing though to have both a mix of remote and a blending in of, you know, in-person kind of conversations and meetings. Uh, for our providers, I think they're seeing the same thing. It was quickly trying to be agile and seeing what that remote workforce looked like. And now I think we're going to be in a hybrid stage. There, there are going to be certain areas where, hey, you know, we might not need all of that office space for our larger revenue cycle, let's say back-end office, where we could have a rotation program of folks coming in, being on site to make sure they're getting the appropriate training and feedback from their management team, but also having some flexibility. You know, One of the things that is good for revenue cycle workers truly is you know, having that flexibility to deal with their family demands and things of that nature. Where we didn't see much of a change, though, was especially with those areas of registration. Those are patient-facing. We do need folks sometimes to be taking intake information as a patient comes in, and that's just always going to be on-site type of information. But in general, I'm seeing now the hybrid movement for those centers of excellences and those centralized billing offices.
0: Great. And what types of skills do you think revenue cycle teams will need over the next five to 10 years that maybe they don't have right now?
1: So, one of the areas I think we're seeing a lot of advancement in automation and, and RPA or robotic process automation in AI. I do think as the revenue cycle evolves over the next five to ten years, some of these more mundane tasks that people have to do today are going to go away and be replaced by automation, which means that the staff that we are going to have on hand are going to have to deal with more complex things, dealing with, you know, Payers that are more complex, having conversations, dealing with, you know, things that might be on the front end side of things, complicated as it relates to the authorization, or how much of it is dealing with, you know, a, a pro side of things versus a technical side of things. So I, I do think that the caliber of folks that we're going to have in the revenue cycle is going to need to be, you know, much more advanced in dealing with complex problems. And we won't need to have things around, you know, corresponding and things of that nature, which is getting more and more automated today. With that, you're going to have to have staff that understand what are those exception reports that come out of, let's say, RPA processes or things of that nature. So I think understanding data, which has always probably been a strong point in the revenue cycle, but even more so, seeing what are the things and the data and the trends telling us so that we can be proactive and really not have to deal with After the fact components like denials, but proactively see those trends and make sure that we're synergizing with the clinical staff to be there and understand how to reduce any type of revenue hitting activity and also reducing our costs. So I think the revenue cycle is advancing. It always does. We're still going to have to have that same understanding of payer rules and what do we get reimbursed with and what do we not get reimbursed with. But it's going to be, I think, at a much more complex data-driven level where folks are going to have to be able to manage technology but also think about those cultural things I had mentioned around how you manage a hybrid workforce, making sure that people are engaged and trained if they're not going to be in an office setting, you know, five days a week. So that's kind of where I see, you know, the revenue cycle evolving to, uh, you know the great thing about healthcare and especially the revenue cycle every single month it seems you know we're we're given new rules new regulations new things that we have to adapt to i think the revenue cycle folks that work in the revenue cycle have always done a good job with that they're just going to have to be you know more capable to deal with it and use the new advanced technologies that are coming at hand in, in a much better way. Gone are the days where we're you know keying things in and tabbing things in. I think there's a lot of great technology that's here, especially the new EMR systems, and also on the horizon that the revenue cycle staff and leadership are going to have to be astute to and know how to utilize.
0: Christopher, what do you think will be the biggest challenges for hospitals over the next 12 months?
1: I would say coming back of you know it, it seems that we're getting back to somewhat of you know quote unquote normalcy with staff coming in and I think it's really getting to the point of how are you going to deal with now you had folks offsite they're coming back on site and what are those challenges going to be as we move forward so I think there's a cultural dynamic to it. And also, I think there's going to be a lot of components around, as I mentioned, as technology is growing, we're going to have to adapt and really welcome in some of these disruptors that might make it challenging. You know, one of the things I'm seeing from a generalized hospital perspective is more and more technology is coming in. Right? on top of that what we've seen in the trend over the last couple of years is a lot of consolidation so we have because of economic pressures and whatnot, hospital systems or single hospital areas coming together and joining and what happens there is you have not only the cultural integration right, of, of two different entities coming together but also the process and technological integration as well and that, that always is a challenge that standardization if I acquire someone or if I'm being acquired I have to move to a different platform. I have to deal with different payer mixes or environments. Really understanding those core components. And then the other thing I think is going to be a big challenge, and we've seen this now for a couple of years, is more and more our patients are becoming consumers. They have wearable technologies. They have smart watches that are telling them different things. We have to integrate all that information and data and make sure that we are truly thinking through what does this mean for our patients you know, there, there's a lot about pricing transparency, which is a whole another topic, Mike, to get into for a different day. But in general, there, there's that component that's out there. There's a component of, hey, you know, wh- what do I want to do? There's high deductible plans still, but patients still have a you know concept of I have an insurance card, but that doesn't mean everything's covered. But how are we going to deal with the shopping of services and all of this data components along with the technology and the security? I think, you know, we've all heard of some issues with one of the West Coast systems that got, you know, hacked and patients and, and clinical staff did not have medical records for you know about two weeks. Well as we have more and more information that we want to be able to transmit from our devices to our clinicians and to generalized specialists, we also have to be thinking about those cybersecurity pieces as well. So there's there's a perfect storm I think coming as it relates to the intersection of this brand new technology, consumerism and just generalized day-to-day regulations. That as a provider network, we have to be thinking about and, and be planning for because you don't want to be at the tail end of it and reactive. You want to be leading edge and thinking about it future forward.
0: Thanks for those insights, Christopher. If someone wanted to find out more about you or your firm, where can they go?
1: So, I mean, you know, we have a website, grantforton.com and, uh, you know, at any given time, I always appreciate folks contacting me. I'm on LinkedIn, or they can just pop me an email as well to my email address, which is my first name, last name, at us.gt.com.
0: Christopher Barrata, thank you so much for sharing your insights today on the Hospital Finance Podcast. Thank you.